Blue Wire. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of The Rebuild. I'm Henry Ettinger, joined by Jordan Climac for this one. Jordan, in a week's time since we last talked, a lot has happened with the Browns. A lot of, shall we say, bad things have happened for the Browns. A loss to the Steelers. Now we've got Oda Beckham Jr. drama, a game with the now uh, trendy Bengals team on deck. How are, are you dealing with all this? <laughs> oh, uh, I'm hanging on. <laughs> I'm hanging in there. Uh, it's been a, it's been a rough week. It's been a rough week for the Browns. It, it's been a rough season for the Browns. And I think everything kind of came into fruition this week. Um, look, as far as the Odell stuff, when we made the trade a couple of years ago to bring him to Cleveland, we all feared that this was possible. This was everyone's worst fear. We, you know, we're all excited. People were getting the cops called on them because they were going outside and screaming and all that. But in the back of everyone's mind, it was like, yeah, but it was a tumultuous end in New York, largely brought on by one Odell Beckham Jr. And just please, God, don't let that happen in Cleveland. Uh, for two years, we, we were without that. Um, I guess maybe in 2019, there was some of that. You know, the whole, like, come get me to other players on the sidelines and that he was frustrated. Then last year he goes out with the injury. The Browns have a crazy season, the best season they've had in a long time. Go to the playoffs, win a game without him really being a part of the team. This year he comes back to the team and it's been week after week of, of, of nonsense of why can't they get him the ball? Why is he why can't he get the ball? Is he unhappy? And, you know, I go back to a couple of weeks ago, Henry, after this is the telltale sign. After that Vikings game, Odell was asked about his lack of involvement in the offense and how he's keeping a level head through it all. And he basically said, look, it'd be easy to make controversy. I could make controversy if we were losing, but we're winning. At the time you won that game, you were three and one. Um, Since then, you're four and four. You've gone one and three in the last four games and you are losing now. And all of a sudden now he is creating controversy. And look, like I said, it was everyone's worst fear uh, coming in this season. Henry, we did a podcast of before the season started of what could cut two things that could propel the Browns and two things that could derail the Browns season. And for one of my answers for propel the Browns, I said the OBJ to Baker connection for one of my things that could destroy the Browns was OBJ. And that's exactly what happened. That's where we are. This locker room is a mess. You got people on one side, you got people on the other side. And Oh, by the way, You have a must-win game against an AFC North opponent who's ahead of you in the standings right now. It is an absolute blank you-know-what storm right now, and I don't know how they overcome this. Uh, They got a game to play on Sunday. We'll see how it happens, Henry, but my Lord, what a week in Berea. It has been quite a week, and and I'll, I'll start with my thoughts on the OBJ situation. Like we've talked about on the podcast, I don't think his complaints are wrong. Like, at least assuming Odell Beckham Sr. speaks for Odell Beckham Jr. a little bit. Which, right? which like, he does. Let's, let, which, I mean, let's which get he real does. here. Uh, <laughs> yes, and I said as much on, on the last show. I don't think he's you know fully wrong in that sense. Now, I don't think he's blameless. He's had his fair share of injury issues, drops, other things. He He's not, you know, it's not just Baker Mayfield not finding him on the field. But I think in large part, that's a lot of the reason why his numbers are so bad. But also, he's handling it wrong. And 
he's handling it the way somebody who is immature handles situations. There was clearly not a lot of forethought. There was clearly not a lot of poise in terms of handling as far as like, instead of it being, you know, a conversation between him and Baker Mayfield, him, Kevin Stefanski, him and Andrew Barry. There's lack of maturity. That's, that's what it is. That's, and that's exactly the phrase I used uh, on the last podcast is it was immature on, on all fronts. And now I think the, the result of that is I don't really see how this is going to work out for, for OBJ the way he wants it to. Like what, what was the plan here? Uh, again, I don't think there was one, but. Well, no, it, the, the plan, Henry, the plan was, this was so calculated. Okay. This was, this was the timing, you know, you have, and, and then you have today, um, this guy, Bruce Thompson, is releasing shirts today that say free Odell. Oh, oh, and by the way, he's one of Odell's best friends. And oh, by the way, once I saw this Bruce Thompson news, I went to Bruce Thompson's Instagram. Guess who, lo and behold, one of his last Instagram pictures is with. It's him and Odell Beckham Sr. And he's talking about what a great influence Odell Beckham Sr. has been on his life. This was a calculated, thought out Thing that the that the Beckhams were going to do in the time. Look, they say in life, timing is everything. Relationships, job, everything. Timing is everything. This didn't come out the morning of the trade deadline for no reason. That was their last chance to get Odell out of Cleveland. It didn't happen. Now, what are you left with? You're left with a, a situation that's just detrimental to the entire locker room. Now you have. Baker Mayfield having to go out and answer questions about it. He was completely blindsided. You had John Johnson having to ask, ask, answer questions about it. Joel Batonio had to answer questions about it. Nothing is about what you're doing to prepare for the biggest game of the season this weekend. Everything is about how you're dealing with the Odell Beckham Jr. situation. And that's what comes with Odell. And again, like I said, that's what we feared would be the case. And now it has come into fruition. But I think that this was a very calculated and thought out move on Odell Beckham Jr.'s camp. I, I do. I just don't think there's other way that you can, another way to look at it. I, I do think the, the trade deadline part was calculated like in the moment, but if they really wanted him out of Cleveland, they should have done this a lot earlier than the morning before the trade deadline. And again, but, it, but it's a- what I said. It's what I said. If, if this comes out when the Browns, if the Browns were five and three, six and two right now, he looks terrible because all of a sudden it's about you. The team is winning, but you're pissed off because you're not getting the ball. The Browns have lost three or four. Baker Mayfield, by the way, the last win Baker Mayfield had was against the Minnesota Vikings. Remember, Case Keenum started for the Broncos on that Thursday night. It was a perfect storm for, of, of, of the Browns losing to the Steelers in an embarrassing fashion, a team that you had no business losing to. And then this comes out now because the Browns were struggling. They were down. They are losing. They are underperforming. Let's throw it out now. It's a terrible, terrible look either way, but it's an even worse look if you're making this stirring up controversy while the team is winning. And maybe that's it, is that he didn't want to do it after a win. But if the, the Browns had beaten the Steelers, then was he just not going to do it at all? Probably, Henry, maybe. Because like I said, you can go back and find the quote. Odell said this after the Vikings game. He said, I, there, I could easily stir up controversy if we were losing, but we are winning. Oh, the, oh, the Browns started losing it, and all of a sudden controversy is getting stirred up. I don't think it's random. I don't think it's out of nowhere. I think that he was waiting on this and this seemed like the perfect time for it to come out and boom, it comes out. Well, the, the trade deadline ha- has come and gone. The Browns can no longer trade him Jordan. So what do you think happens 
from here. There were some quotes from Browns players today saying, you know, they'd welcome him back into the locker room, but obviously he's been excused from the last couple of days of practice. There were reports Kevin Stefanski told the team that OBJ is essentially not on the team right now. What do you, what do you think happens next with OBJ? I don't know. That's a great question. Um, I don't know. You know, there's, there's ways that they can go about this, that look in my, I, you know, I'm not reporting this. I don't have any inside information on this, but my assumption is that they are, cause look, here's, 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 here's the issue, Henry. If you release him, it sends a terrible, terrible message to the locker room and, and in a team of a lot of young and up and coming players where you're saying, look, if you're frustrated and you come to us and you basically say, I don't want to be here. You stop answering the coach's calls. You stop answering the quarterback's calls. You, you're essentially saying you don't want to be here. And then for the team to come in, but like, all right, fine. You don't want to be here. We'll release you. Go to whatever situation you want. Terrible, terrible message to send to your locker room. So I'm under the impression that this team, this front office, Andrew Barry, Kevin Stefanski, I think they are prepared to waste a 53 roster spot on Odell Beckham Jr. to keep him on this roster, but keep him away from the team, kind of like the Texans are doing with Deshaun Watson right now. Again, totally different circumstances surrounding the player. But I just think if you were to release him and let him go wherever he wants, oh, and oh, by the way, you're still competing for a playoff spot. You don't want him to go to an AFC team that you might have to see down the line and you might have to play because if he's so disgruntled with his situation in Cleveland, um, the Steelers, they could use a wide receiver. Uh, the Baltimore Ravens, they could use a wide receiver. Uh, like you just don't, you don't want to avoid that situation. So from a trying to make the playoff standpoint and from a trying to keep your locker room together, I think it's best for the Browns. And I think this is what will happen to keep him around and keep him away from the team, trade him for whatever, trade him for scraps, trade him for dirty socks, a washing machine. I don't care in the off season, but you don't give him what he wants because it sends a terrible, terrible message. I, I, I think I agree with you. I, I, you know, I basically said on the last podcast that I think OBJ is going to be on the team the rest of the year and be at home, that he's not going to come back to this team. Now, something I didn't know that, that Dan Graziano pointed out on Twitter today is the Browns can actually only suspend Odell four games or, or keep him inactive for four games uh, against his will. Otherwise, he can file a grievance against the team. So that's the challenging part is at some point, they have to activate him if he forces their hand to. Now he may not. You know, there's obviously you know talks that that Barry and company are working with his representatives. But I'm with you. Not you know releasing him has a couple effects. Number one, yeah, he could go to the Ravens. He could go to the Steelers. He could go to any number of teams that the Browns might see in the playoffs. Because who is not going to want a guy like Odell Beckham Jr. on their team? As frustrating as his production has been with the Browns, he is still. A, a at least a very good, if not great receiver, you know, when things are, are clicking. Number two, it costs the Browns a lot of money. Odell Beckham Jr. is not cheap. This is dead cap, not only for this year, but for next year too, because that's the whole point of keep, you know, of why I've said that I thought he wasn't going to be on the roster next season is it's not a lot of dead cap money if they release him once the season's over. So for me, this doesn't make any sense to, to release him now unless they, you know, they just feel the need, you know, sometimes with agents and other things like that, teams feel the need to, you know, not necessarily do right by the player, but just, you know, wash their hands of the situation, you know, instead well, of here's, creating here's a the thing, Here's issue. the thing, Henry. Here's the thing. If, if there, I think that the only logical situation is you let this play out a couple of weeks, you come to some sort of contract buyout situation where the Browns, 
agree that they aren't going to pay him the rest of what he's owed. And he has to be fine with taking that because look, the fact of the matter is what, if you're going to sit him, if he's going to be on this roster and you're going to tell him he can't come around the team, that's this collective bargaining agreement. Uh, that's, that's it. That goes against everything in the CBA. The players union could raise hell about that, but has Odell done that? No. Is he going to the players union talking about how disrespected he's being, how the team is keeping him away? No because he's playing a role in this as well. And I just, I, it's such a terrible, terrible situation. And I don't know how it gets resolved, Henry, but I, isn't that odd to me? Like if he was so concerned about things, couldn't he go up and, and raise hell about, about, um, you know, not being able to play because is it, is it about play to you at that point? Or is it about making the money? Cause right now it seems like he's pretty fine sitting home and collecting that $800,000. And, and by the way, I think this all comes back to a contract situation for Odell because we know that look before when we made that trade Henry it was he's going to be here for three years not longer than that because he's making 15 million dollars a year why couldn't you trade him on Monday because he's making 15 million dollars a year what that tells you is teams around the NFL don't think he's worth 15 million dollars a year as a player so that means when his next contract comes up he is not going to get that kind of money he's going to get a one year a couple million dollars prove it incentivized contract his family knows that he realizes that his biggest paydays are behind him what was his best case to get a big payday was to get traded to a situation where he can tell someone and show someone around the league show everyone around the league that he can still produce and maybe get paid when his contract is up that didn't happen where do we go from here i don't know but i really do think this comes back to money at the end of the day say it's the root of all evil it it certainly seems like it is well, do you think at some point he, he would return to the team? Uh, that's the, really the other I, I don't think you can bring him back at this point because what, 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 what good is that, Henry? Do you think that randomly three weeks from down the line, the Browns are going to be playing the Lions and we're like, man, they really turned it around. Odell is catching seven balls for 80 yards and two touchdowns every game. Like, no, that's not, that's not going to happen. It hasn't worked out. There's nothing to show us that it's going to work out in the future. So I don't know how you can bring him back to this team, especially with the locker room divided right now, because I think the players realize it's as simple as like, hey, dude, if you wanted to be here, you would be here and you're not. So we don't think you want to be here and we're trying to win. We're trying to go to the playoffs. Sayonara. Yeah, I, you know, my my most thought, though, is is there there has been a lot. Of, and you're not the first person to use this phrase that, that the locker room's divided. And I'm kind of like, is it? I feel like everybody's just kind of on the same page. I don't know. At least publicly speaking, well, seems like it, everybody's on the same page. <laughs> just I like, mean, oh. well, here's the thing: you had you had Greedy Williams liking the post that Odell Beckham Senior put out. You had John Johnson doing the same thing. Rashard Higgins did the same thing. So at that point, what are you saying? If you're liking that post, you're saying that you agree that he is wide ass open and we can't get him the ball, and that it's on Baker. To me, that is a locker room divided. To me, it seems like right now you got people and look at and think about it from this perspective too, Henry. There are a lot of young players on this team, like Greedy Williams, like an Anthony Schwartz. They grew up, what do they know? Superstar Odell Beckham Jr. They're infatuated with the idea of Odell Beckham Jr. They're going to stand by him because that's what they know. That's what great football is. They grew up watching the one-handed catches, this, that, and the other. And, and then you have a different portion of the guys, like your offensive linemen, the guys, the gritty guys that understand what it takes to get done that understand what it means to be a team. I don't, I don't know. I, I just, I just think that is a situation where you just, I just you can't even consider bringing him back at this point. Maybe not. But that I, seems that's, that's, I think that's where the divide in the locker room comes from at the same time. Yeah. You bring up a good point about, about the likes uh, on the Instagram yeah. post. I just thought as far as like the, the actual interviews, you know, with, with even John Johnson, the third, but Baker and Stephanie. What are they, what, what, what are they going to say? 
what are they going to, is John Johnson, the third going to come out in the media and be like, yeah, you know what? You're right. You're absolutely right. Like I, we, Odell screw him. If he does, if he wanted to be here, he would be here. No, that would pour more gasoline on the fire. They came out, they did everything they should have done today because it would have made a bad situation worse if they came out with some crazy opinion on why he should or shouldn't be here. Yeah. I just, again, to me, that shows at least that, that some, that, that the message has gotten through that that's what they should do. Okay. I, I agree with you. But uh, it wouldn't have been the first time that NFL players poured more gasoline on the fire in a press conference if somebody did do that. Now, it, it would be surprising, potentially, from some of the veterans on this team, but, uh, but not necessarily unheard of in the greater NFL landscape. That's my only point, I, I guess. But, Jordan, I want to turn to the Cincinnati game because the Browns have a game here in three days. Uh, I'm the Cincinnati. <laughs> they, they lost a critical game to the Steelers last week, and now they've got a, a, an even more critical matchup against the Bengals if they want to stay in this division race. So what? You know, how, where are you at with this team going into this game? Do you think this, you know, there's a lot of talk about how, hey, nothing in the NFL is a distraction. Look at the Raiders with John Gruden and all the other stuff that's happened this season. Yeah, that's, that's a lie. Whoever said that was lying through their teeth <laughs> because, look, it's what I just said. We're sitting here talking about what John Johnson III said in a press conference today about Odell Beckham Jr., what Joel Batonio said in a press conference today about Joel, uh, about Odell Beckham Jr. This is the biggest game of the year, and we're answering questions about a different player. That is a absolutely 1,000% a distraction, whether you want to acknowledge it as one or not. So how are you feeling about the game on Sunday? I mean, it sounds like you're not high. Here's the thing. <laughs> it's a really weird and complex situation, Henry, but I think it's one of those games. And I think Sunday has one of those games that it's either you lose 38 to six or you win. I I, I don't think there's any middle ground. I think it's an absolute embarrassing blowout where really the, this bad situation becomes even worse or you go out there and win because the fact of the matter is what happened last year in Cincinnati when Odell Beckham Jr. Went down all of a sudden Baker turned it on. He, He clicked, he threw for four touchdowns, led the Browns back. He was like 20 of 20 in the second half passing. And the fact of the matter is we've seen the Browns succeed without Odell Beckham Jr. They went to the playoffs. They had the best year they've had in a long time. They won a damn playoff game without him. We know this team can succeed without him. They don't need him to be successful. So if you're going off of that, Henry, we've seen the Browns be successful without him. We haven't seen them be successful with him. So this could be one of those things where maybe you just get him out of the way don't have to worry about it. We don't even have to worry about if he's going to come back. Oh, is he going to be able to tribute, contribute when he comes back? No. And that now, let, it, let us understand that he's not going to be here for the rest of the year and see where this team goes. Because like I said, we have the sample size of, of, of Baker. And, it, and it's enough of a sample size where we can all sit here and say, it doesn't make sense why, but when Odell is not out there, Baker is a different quarterback. And that's what could happen on Sunday. And I wouldn't be surprised if it did. Baker is a guy that plays better with his back against the wall. Cleveland Browns are a team that plays better with their back against the wall when there aren't expectations. So I would not be surprised at all. The Browns somehow shocked the world, win that game on Sunday. But at the same time, it's been so ugly this week that it wouldn't really surprise me if it was 38 to six, 33 to nothing either. Yeah. It's one of those things where like on paper, I don't hate this matchup for the Browns at all. Really? I, you know, I think, you know, part of my uh, analysis of the game last week was just, at this point, you know, the Browns are a solid roster, but we need to reset our expectations a little bit for the team just because Baker Mayfield's not playing at that high a level. He's kind of – he's up and down. And he's kind of Kirk Cousins-esque right now. There's Maybe just no passing game. There's a one-dimensional yeah. offense. 
and, and maybe it'll get better post injury next season or, or, or something like that. But right now it's just, yeah, he's a, he's an average quarterback. And when you have an average quarterback, you're a little bit beholden to, Hey, is he having a good game? Is he having a bad game? A couple plays here or there turnovers, all that kind of stuff. It's, it's the Browns football. We've been more used to, frankly, the last 20 years outside of Baker Mayfield's, you know, first couple seasons. So I do think there, there's some good stuff here. The Bengals offensive line is not good. Miles Garrett had just had the best game arguably of his career in terms of like pass pass rush win rate and that kind of stuff. Highest graded PFF game of his career. He's all over the place. He should be the defensive player of the year. The, the, the Bengals do present some challenges with their receivers. But then on the flip side of the ball, yeah, that defense is playing much better than expected. But their their strengths really come from the fact that they have a lot of like good pass rushers, but nobody great. Well, outside of Blake Hance, there's not really like I, I don't really expect the Browns to lose a lot of those matchups. Like they, they're pretty solid across the board. And Blake Hance, you know, had uh, some bad moments against TJ Watt last week. But nobody on this Bengals D line is really, I think, going to give him like that kind of uh, a challenge. So, again, if it was just the on the field stuff, I, I, I would give the Browns a decent shot against the Bengals uh, on Sunday. But I just I don't know what we're going to get. I really don't. Yeah, it really is. Like I said, I, I, Henry, I just don't think there's middle ground. I think it's 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 either utter chaos or like, wow, I can't believe they came out and played like this. I, you know what I mean? Like, do you see at all? Like, uh, and what would be worse in your opinion? Um, another heartbreaking loss where you shoot yourself in the foot, and at the end of the day, we're sitting here saying, wow, you don't make that mistake, you don't make that mistake, you win the game because that's that's been the story of these Browns losses. Other than that Cardinals game, they you can make the argument they should have won every one of those games. So is it, would that be worse or would just the 30 to nothing absolute blowout be worse? I honestly don't know at this point. For me, the 30 to nothing blowout, just because here's the thing. I love Kevin Stefanski as a coach. He is a, I think he is great with the X's and O's and the play calling. I do not understand some of the criticism that has come this way this season, but you know, I, I do understand some of the criticism about, okay, separate out the offensive coordinator stuff from it you know, does he need to get better at the actual head coaching part, right? Like last week, there were some clear execution issues and how much of that falls on the, on the head coach to get his team prepared. If they come out and lose 30 to nothing, I think those cries are going to get a whole lot louder about, hey, is this guy a head coach? And I don't want that because I'm a Kevin Stefanski believer. Yeah, but, but so at the same wanna... time, Henry, you have to acknowledge it though. You, you do. I, and look, there's separate, there's two pieces to being a head coach. It's motivating. It's it's controlling. It's it's having a grasp, having a grip of your locker room. And to me, a, when a, a game against your rival, a team that's going to come into it heated, and you're wearing your whole team is wearing Halloween costumes to the game, and this, that, and the other. Like if that was Freddie Kitchen, he would have been destroyed for that. Let's just call it for what it is. That's not that much different than the Pittsburgh started at crap. And then and then you have this. Look, the fact of the matter is, you're you're right, Kevin Stefanski. When it comes down to X's and O's, great, great job best we've had here in a long time, but he hasn't been tested on the other side of that coaching thing. Now he is being tested on how can you control a locker room when it's starting to divide? Can you galvanize your troops, get them ready for a huge game? It didn't happen last week. Let's call it for what it is. This is an even bigger test. If they fail, it's a 30, nothing blowout and all of the drama and all of this gets to it. He wasn't able to weather the storm. He has to take some of the blame, whether you like it or not. 
No, and I, and I don't disagree with that. I guess that's my point, though, is like if the Browns lose 30 to nothing, I don't think those cries are unwarranted uh, at all. If 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 they do lose 30 to nothing, I'm just hoping that doesn't happen because, I, I you know, I've liked his approach, you know, with all the COVID stuff last year. I thought he his approach was good, frankly, even with his Odell Beckham Jr. situation. I thought not only he handled it well, but you can see it filter down throughout the team. Like we just talked about Baker Mayfield all of a sudden is handling press conferences you know, in the most mature way he's ever done, all of a sudden, you know, the whole team, it kind of has the same message. I like all of that stuff. I feel like the team has been in unison at many points. So I, yeah, I'm just worried that, that if they, if they get blown out 30 to nothing, yeah, there's going to be some fair questions being asked of Stefanski. I don't want that to happen. I kind of don't expect that to happen, Jordan, to be honest. I'm not sure I expect the Browns to win this game. But I don't expect them to win this game because I think they're a slightly worse team. I do kind of expect this game to be competitive, though. Yeah, I don't. I, I kind of. I don't know why, but I, I, I've been teetering back and forth between what I see more uh, likely, in the, and that being the Browns being blown out or winning the game. I think it's winning the game. <laughs> like, isn't that isn't that just kind of how Cleveland is in general? Like, the second you count us out. When you do, the second you don't expect anything is when they surprise. And then let's call it for what it is. The second you do expect something, second we do have expectations is when things crumble. Let's go back to 2019. Going into 2018, you had all that success at the end of the year. You make the Odell Beckham Jr. trade. Baker Mayfield seems like he's the guy. You have expectations going into 2019. You crap the bed. Nobody's expecting you to be good in 2020. People are expecting you, hey, you have a first-year head coach. This is a process. Let's see if they can build things for the future. They go to the playoffs. They win a game. This year, you come into the season with Super Bowl expectations. People are picking you to win the AFC. People are picking you to win the Super Bowl, and it crumbles and goes back to crapping the bed. That's, that's just the fact of the matter. It, that is a Cleveland trade in general, but I think it also goes back to, to what we were talking about with Baker Mayfield, with the inconsistency. Yes, he has some downs, and that's been a lot of the problem this season so far. But he also has those moments where he comes out and lights the world on fire, like you said, when his back is against the wall. And I kind of feel like one of those games might be coming for Baker Mayfield. Like last week, I didn't think he was terrible last week. I thought he was like I thought fine. he was solid last week. He missed, he missed some – like he wasn't the one to like blame per se. And this is the way I phrase it. Like clearly his receivers let him down, right? Like that's obvious, the six drops. He missed some throws. There was definitely, again, when you watch the All-22, some you know wide-open throws that he just, for some reason, did not see. But he wasn't bad. Like, he was not, like, bottom five, you know, quarterback in the league bad like we had seen at times earlier this season. So, again, I do feel like one of those games could be in him here where all of a sudden he starts making some of those throws and, and even just completing the ones that were in front of him, that he, you know, just missed a little high or a little, you know, one way or the other. All of a sudden, he makes those throws. The Browns get some touchdowns on the board. I could see it happening that way, too. And I kind of feel like that might be coming this week. I feel like he's due a little bit for, for one of the good Baker Mayfield games. Yeah, and I just thought – I think last week he had – I thought just literally from the start of the game, I thought he had zip on his ball. Um, I, I thought he had touch on a couple of passes he needed to have touch on. I just think that, that we were trending more towards that, hey – Everyone started to rule you out, Baker. You come back and you have kind of one of those performances. I thought we were trending towards that Sunday. He just needed that extra help, and he wasn't able to get it. So we'll see how it plays this week. I mean, Jarvis, love you to death, man. And the second he was brought to this Cleveland Browns team is when the culture started to change around. 
that was the worst game of his career. I don't think it's any secret. I don't know why it happened, how you can explain it. I don't expect him to repeat that. So if you're able to just get something from one of those guys, Donovan Peoples-Jones, great time for him to come back all of a sudden. We'll see how it plays out, Henry. But I really do think this is trending towards the Browns surprise the hell out of some people this weekend. And Baker Mayfield in particular. Yeah, I mean, maybe you and I are both being optimistic, but I, I, I probably, agree with you. Probably, but at the same I, time, it's what we've seen. It's what we can go off of. Yeah, I, I, I do agree with you. Yeah, and last week, I mean, here's the thing. is we came into this, and this ties in Odell Beckham Jr., ties in Jarvis a little bit. Part of it, too, and I was saying this in relation to Baker Mayfield, is we talked about how this, this offense didn't have any holes around him ahead of the season. And Jordan, I think it's just at some point, it's time to acknowledge that like receivers a whole for this team. And it's not like anything to do with injuries. It's like Odell Beckham Jr. and Jarvis Landry just aren't that good for what they're being paid. Like the Browns pay more to their wide receivers than any other team in the league. Throw Austin Hooper in there as well. Yeah, I mean, I he's I also struggling. But, you know, you've got Njoku, who at least is, is a good option at tight end. We just... Those guys have not played like one and two receivers in the NFL so far this season. And I I do expect Jarvis to be slightly better. I'm hoping he's going to be slightly better, but I don't think either of those guys are going to be on the team next year because it's not injuries. Uh, Well, I I know both those guys have been injured, but when they're on the field, they're still not playing well. And I'm hoping it gets better, but that's the one thing I feel like with his offense, everybody's like, oh, there's no holes around Baker. There's no holes around Baker. I'm like, eh. Are we sure about that? Are we sure about that anymore? Well, I think the one thing that you can say, though, and, and here's how it becomes critical of Baker, is there are no holes around him on the offensive line. Uh, that's, the, that's, that's the number one pass block win rate team in the NFL, still the number one ranked offensive line. So you can't blame it on the offensive line. And so can you just say it all? It's the lack of talent around him? Because I don't think that's the case. Um, and a good quarterback makes – you know, average wide receivers good anyways. So I don't know what it is. It's been, maybe it's the injury. Maybe it's the contract on his mind. I don't know what it is. He's been pressing this year. Uh, The fact of the matter is though, Henry, as, as tumultuous of a week as it's been for this Browns franchise. And we've seen some dark, dark times as a franchise. This ranks right up there with the darkest weeks I've ever seen. There's one thing that cures all that and it's winning. And you still have the chance to go out there and do that on Sunday. Yep. Uh, you know, an old sports adage, not anything new, but, but winning does cure all or at least cure us quite a bit. And I think a win in Cincinnati would go a long way to doing that. I will not pick the Browns to win this game, but I do think it, it'll be close. I do think it would be competitive and uh, you know, we'll see. I, I don't think it's a, you know, I, I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility as, as I said. So Jordan, I know you have to go here. So we, so we can wrap things up here. You know, we'll be back post game on Sunday to talk more about the Bengals Browns game, see where this one goes. Pivotable matchup four and four Browns going to Cincinnati. But until then, Browns fans, two words for you go Browns.